It's Ty Power's Big Footy final sale. To kick things off, you can get the power to buy three and get one free on selected Toyo passenger car and SUV tyres. Ty Power's Big Footy final sale can't last. Visit typower.com.au now. There's a, a great new book uh, that is uh, coming out. It's called Australia's Toughest Sports People, 12 Athletes Who Epitomise the Grit, Courage and Determination of Australian Sport. It's written by Mick Collison. He's been good enough to join us on the Sporting Capital uh, tonight. Mick, it's uh, great to have you on the radio. Yeah, thanks, Brett, and thanks for having me. Now, I just uh, I want to read this little quote first before you go through and tell me about the people you've spoken to, but I, I thought it was quite funny. Mick Collis is not the toughest person I know, but he's one of the funniest. So to have the softest and funniest person I know give his most serious take on the hardest people he knows is both interesting and unique, and it works from the great Johnny Eels, Mick. Yeah, I know. I asked him, could he write me something? <laughs> I wasn't expecting him to be quite so nasty because he's normally a nice bloke. But it was, um, yeah, it was very funny. So I thought, yeah, I'll, I'll put that one in because it was quite funny. Gee, he's probably I, quite true. Yeah, well, when I think of John Eels, I just think of him uh, always being... Uh, he always had a lot of taping going. There was a lot of stuff going on upstairs, wasn't there, uh, with a few, yeah, uh, few yeah, knocks? Yeah, very much so. Yep. <laughs> a few too many, I think. Tell us about how the the book has uh, come together. You you'd certainly you pay tribute to some of the most memorable and awe-inspiring moments in our nation's sporting history. And there's some great names that you've spoken to, Mick. Yeah, well, I, I mean, as a kid sort of watching a lot of sport, you, you kind of see these things that go on with people either, you know, getting injured and, and playing on through an injury or, or they come back from an injury. And mm-hmm. those all just kind of sat in the back of my head. And then I remember... Oh. And Dermot and Dipper in that 89 grand final. And then I remember in 1996, Julian um, Rolton was a, a question writer for Australia on a horse called Peppermint Grove and, mm. and she fell off her, her horse and she broke a collarbone and then she had to get back on and finish the course for Australia to, to keep in the hunt for the, the gold medal, which they eventually won. And, and that was kind of the, the, the trigger, I suppose, that made me think, wow, there's so many great stories and I'm a bit, little bit slow to get off the mark, so it took me a long time to actually start writing it and then I, so I started it about four years ago and just um, sort of travelled around and, and sort of had my list of people I wanted to speak to and did a bit of research and, and found some then just went and spoke to them, sort of had about an hour and a half with each of them, just, just spoke to them, heard their story, sort of sat there with my, my jaw on the table listening to these people, just telling me this story as though it was something that everybody would do and then sort of wrote it all up and, and put it together. So for me as a sports fan, it was, it was a real privilege and an honour to sit with these people that had done that and then just as a, as a fan again and as a punter, just to hear what they went through and how they managed to either stay on the field or, or make a comeback, just it still blows me away. Now even I've read this book, you know, probably eight or nine times, I still get uh, surprised by what they did. It was, the stories, they're, they're amazing, amazing people. Yeah, incredible names across uh, a wide cross-section of sports. So Rick McCosker, John Settler, Elisa Camplin, uh, I mean, skiing, I, I just, I can, you know, the visualisation of what they uh, they go through and some of the injuries. Uh, Dean Jones, the late Dean Jones, uh, Dipper and, and Dermy from an AFL perspective, playing in such a, a tough era uh, through uh, the early 80s and what they achieved. Uh, Hayden Button Jr. as well, from an Australian rules perspective. Uh, Anna Mears, we know how uh, tough it is uh, for the cyclists when you um, see that going at uh, full pace. So just take us through some of the highlights of the chats that you had and, and whether one or two really stood out. And I suppose for our audience, we're very familiar with Dermy uh, being on this station and and Dipper, of course, uh, with uh, the incredible courage he showed, particularly in that 1989 grand final. 
Yeah, and, and again, they were great because, you know, because people know those those incidents so well. And the thing that I really enjoyed was was trying to work out what was their background that let them do that. Like, it's it's not like, you know, me, if that happened to me, I'd, I'd go off because I'm I'm soft. So there's I thought there has to be something that's kind of gone through their life that's that's made them to that point where they could keep going, and most people wouldn't. And it was just, I found it really interesting to talk to people like... Um, who, who went to Hawthorne as young kids and there was these old people that had been there before them and they kind of got indoctrinated into this way that if, if you want to play at that level, that's just what you have to do. So that was, and Adermi said one of the very first meetings he had at the um, at Hawthorne, when he was only you know 17 or whatever it was when he first turned up there, and they said if you get injured, the first thing you do is get up so you're on your feet and you're filling a position and then you work out what's wrong with you. And he said stuck with him through his through his career so a lot of that stuff and it was you know interesting hearing him as a young kid initially he was just excited to be at training and he was running along next to next to lee matthews in an early morning training session he thought that if i ever get dropped at least i can tell my mates you know i met lee matthews so <laughs> yeah. just yeah. they weren't always superstars they've yeah. all had this journey that they've come through to get to where they were so those two guys were great you mentioned Alyssa Camplin, mm. like she's only probably about five foot one tall really you know pretty sweet lady yep. but I think out of all of them she was the one that probably blew me away the most just for her, her mental toughness and when she broke she broke both ankles and when you're an aerial skier that's kind of what you land on so she she would go into these jumps knowing that she was going to land on broken ankles and she said she would she would land and she had all her, her entire career was was just getting beaten up and broken and broken ribs, and, but she just kept on going. And when she got to the, the ankle, she said she would land, she would vomit because of the pain, she would get on the lift, go up to the top of the mountain, she'd yeah. take her shoes and socks off, she'd put her feet in the ice, she'd sit there with her feet in the ice till the coach said, OK, you're next up, take her feet out, dry her feet off, put her skis and boots back on, do the jump, vomit, go back up the hill, put her feet in the ice. And, yeah. and I was just sitting there, I couldn't believe that this this young pretty lady was so tough and and she she was extraordinary she was just um blew me away and then and then you've got someone like hayden bunton who's i think he's about 82 now mm. and he had yep. his story was one of the, the ones that make people kind of um their jaw drop because he was playing in a in a waffle um game over here in, in the west and it was the last game of the season and they were, they were going to make the four, but there was a guy in his team called Austin Robertson who went on to help Kerry Packer yep. set up yep. World Series cricket. And, and Austin was trying to set the record for the most number of goals in a season, and he needed 15 goals to break the record. So everything that the team did it was all about getting him the ball. So you see they were kicking it backwards to him. They, would, they weren't, they, they'd be in front, they'd give it to Austin, just kick the goal. And, and Hayden turned around to take a mark, and he got kneed in the groin purely by accident. And he said it hurt a little bit. So he's opened up his jock strap and he's split his scrotum. And he said his testicle has rolled down his leg. So some of the East Fremantle players sort of said, oh, look, we're in a bit of trouble here. So they've called their trainer out. The trainer's come out with a wad of gauze, picked up his testicle, stuck it back under his jock strap, put some tape around it, and Hayden's kept playing. And then at half time, and I said, well, how did, why'd you keep going? And he said, oh, because Austin hadn't got his goals yet. And I was thinking, oh, my God. So at half time, the, the doctor said, um, you've got to come off. And Hayden said, he was the captain coach. And he said to the doctor, mate, you're, just the, you're the doctor. 
I'm the coach, I'm going back out there. So the doctor just put basically electrical tape around his groin and his jock strap and he went out there and, and finished the game until Austin got his goals and then he came off, got stitched up in the shed and then he said he stood in the water for the week during the week to get the swelling down because he had a semi-final oh. the next week to play. Mick, Mick, I'm, just, <laughs> I'm squirming. <laughs> it's just, it's, it was, it's unbelievable. It's just, um, so, you know, it was, it was the whole thing was just, it was, it was fascinating, you know, um, and, and just, just different, yeah, different levels. Of, and then you got all like Nathan Charles who yep. ended up playing for the Wallabies, mm. but he, he was born with cystic fibrosis and the doctors told his parents that he, that he wouldn't live past 10 years old. So he's a kid that, that he takes 25 pills every day just to basically stay alive and, um, and went on and played for the Wallabies. So there was, some of the people had the, the physical injury like, you know, Damien and Dipper that played on through that and, and others have got just this, this amazing mental strength just to, to carry on. Yeah, Mick, I wanted to ask you about Steve Bradbury because, we, you, know, you know, the story's been going for well, 20 years. You know, everyone fell over yeah. his gold and, that, and he, he sort of, you know, lived off that. But what, what did you learn about Steve as a competitor? I, I feel like we haven't maybe told the, the Steve Bradbury story enough. It just gets remembered for that, that one that one race, which, you know, he's been able to build a bit of success off. But what did you learn about Steve Bradbury? And it's, it's funny because when people see the names on this list, like they tick off 11 of them and they say to me, Steve Bradbury, why have you got Steve Bradbury in there? For that reason that they just think he fell over. But I, I, I was lucky I heard him speak at a, at a function one day and I'd be sort of got to know him over the years through some things we've done together. And, mm. and he, like he, everyone thought that he turned up on that Olympics and, and everyone fell over and, and he won. But he, I think he won a, a, world, um, a world championship gold medal when he was 70, 17 years old. And he was one of the best ski, skaters in the world. And that was his fourth Olympics. And I remember it was, I think it was 1993, he was in a race in a World Cup event and there was a, a bit of a, a tumble in front of him. And the skater in front of him went down on one knee, so his skate was pointing up in the air. And Steve was part of the accident, spun around, and then basically he has impaled himself on the person's blade in front of him. And the blade's gone straight through Steve's leg and, and basically ripped out to the side. And he said, most people have got about six litres of blood in them. He said he lost four litres in about 15 seconds because his heart rate was about 200 beats a minute. So he said it was just bucketing out on the ice and he said luckily he was lying on the ice because that was the best place to be with a, a gaping hole in, in your leg and he said the, the Canadian doctor was there and came out and basically plugged his leg up whacked the tourniquet on stuck him in the uh, ambulance and off he went he had 130 something stitches to put his leg back together and then in around I think it was two, the year 2000 or somewhere not far out from the uh, the Olympics that he won, again, in a skating accident, and he's fallen over and he's gone headfirst into one of the barriers and he's broken his neck. So he was in one of those uh, halos for six or eight weeks or however long it yep. was yep. where they had to screw these screws into his skull. So he had, you know, he, he'd almost died on the ice. He broke his neck and then eventually he's turned up and, and you know, spot, he ended up winning the gold medal. And he always says that he felt a bit embarrassed about accepting the gold medal. But when he sort of thought about it, he'd been doing it for, you know, 12, 16 years. And, and that was reward for, you know, it was reward for nearly dying on the ice. It was the reward for breaking his neck and, and the reward for all the effort he put in to actually get to that one race. So his backstory is, you know, great. And, and for me, that's something that more Australian people could know. Because he's, he's not the butt of a lot of jokes, but, mm. a, but a people don't really give him enough credit for, for his ability and, and what he went through to actually be there on that starting line. Uh, spot on. I think you've, uh, I've been squirming the whole way through, uh, Mick. I'm in my uh, Comfort zone. <laughs> these, people, these people have done extraordinary things. Is there someone that you had on your hit list, so to speak, that you wanted to speak to that you didn't get a chance to or that you would have liked to have spoken to? 
Yeah, well, I actually had a couple that um, that a couple that I wanted to speak to that had their own books coming out, so they they kind of wouldn't. Yeah. And, and a couple a couple just sort of said, well, it was funny. A couple didn't didn't want to do it. I think they almost were trying to put it behind them, whether it was a, a quite traumatic that they went through, but they, they mm. sort of didn't want to didn't want to bring it up again. So. They're, they're, you know, now that this first one's out, I'd love to do a volume two, and it'd be nice to kind of show them and say, "Look, this is what I, this is kind of how I would treat it," and it's it's not this gruesome thing. It is more your backstory, not just some you know sensational thing about the, the actual event. So, yeah. Um, so yeah, there were a couple of people that that did knock me back, but um, but I'm you know I, I couldn't be happier with with the twelve I've got. I reckon if I put all the ones down the list that I had, I reckon that the twelve that I've got are probably the twelve that I would have. Would have liked to have taken anyway. No, it's a great list. In fact, I was just reading a story today, Mick. Uh, the, the Gold Coast coach uh, Stewie Jew spoke at his media conference, and we didn't totally realise this during the match uh, last uh, last weekend against the Bulldogs in regard to Nick Holman, and uh, he actually said it's one of the toughest things he's seen on the football field. So he copped. Um, an incident uh, knocked to the stomach and actually had surgery that night but played at the remainder of the game. I mean, this guy's a tackling machine. He yeah. loves body contact and he, he just loves to lock the ball inside 50 and he'll tackle to his heart's content. And here he is going for surgery that night and no-one had any, any idea. So, yeah. I, 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 I can't get my head around it. I, I, look, I'm so far away from doing something like that in, in my you know very humble playing career and how, how guys can... Can, and guys and girls can can do that. I, you know, look, it, it separates you know them from us. There's, there's no doubt about it. Australia's toughest sports people. It's by Mick Collis, our guest tonight. Available for pre-order now through Booktopia and on sale in bookstores everywhere from the uh, 27th of July. I have to get myself a copy. Mick sounds like some uh, great tales by many legends of uh, Australian sport, mate. It's uh, great to catch up with you tonight and just to share a bit of that with us. And because before I go. Um, Brett, before I go, can I tell you one more? You, you talk about squirming. There's a guy that not enough people know about. His name's Curtis McGrath, and he was a, a soldier in Afghanistan, and he trod on a landmine, blew both his legs off, and he was the the, uh, the medic. So he had to he had to apply his own tourniquets to his to his own legs that had been blown off. He said he could put his hand around and touch his femur through the back of a hole in his leg. And as he was being um, stretched out of Afghanistan, he said to his mates, don't worry, boys, I'll go to the Paralympics. And he went to um, the Rio Olympics and won a gold medal in the kayak, and he's currently over in Tokyo trying to defend his gold medal. So, you know, you talk about uh, amazing stories. He, he's one yeah. person that more Australians should know about. Brilliant. That is some great tales. Uh, I, I feel like um, I'm, I've got, I'm too comfortable sitting in the studio <laughs> pushing my pen. I've got to get out and... Yeah, you and me both. Do some, I, uh... I cry with a paper cut. <laughs> yeah, I know. I'm feeling it. Mick, thank you. Great chat. Really appreciate it. My pleasure. Thanks, Brett. Thanks for having me on. Cheers. Mick, Mick Collis, uh, he, of course, is a sports commentator, uh, author, uh, plays many roles, of course, guest speaker, modern-day poet, in fact, and... Uh, <laughs> Well, as it says here on my sheet, one of the softest people, softest athletes ever to grace a sporting field. We probably could all, a lot of us could fall into that category. It's Ty Power's Big Footy final sale. To kick things off, you can get the power to buy three and get one free on selected Toyo passenger car and SUV tyres. Ty Power's Big Footy final sale can't last. Visit typower.com.au now.